It's time for Q's Cover 3, NFL news and notes of the day, here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Want to start things off talking about the Rams and their parade that they had in L.A. Not to talk about how many people were there. I can care less. None of that. But want to talk about an incident that actually happened at the parade. And that's when the camera lady uh, fell off the stage. She fell off the stage and she hurt herself really bad, uh, fractured her spine. And there was actually a video, and it wasn't a good look, of Matt Stafford, quarterback for the Rams, who just kind of looked like, oh, hey, I'm out of here on that note. Like, I'm not, I don't want nothing to do with that. And you can see his wife, Kelly, uh, they really went and, uh, and, and, or she went to make sure that, that the young lady was okay. And like I said, she got, she got very, uh, badly hurt, you know, fractured her spine. And so uh, a lot of people said, oh, that's a terrible look for Matt Stafford. And again, like I said, it, it wasn't the best look at all. Uh, I think that was just his natural reaction. I'm sure he didn't think that she was hurt as bad as she was. I don't know. I didn't see exactly, uh, obviously, her falling to the ground. Just saw her fall off the stage and thought, ooh, that's not good. But Adam Schefter just tweeted out a few minutes ago that Rams quarterback Matthew uh, and Kelly Stafford announced they will be covering the medical expenses for Kelly Smiley, who fell off a stage during Wednesday's Super Bowl parade and fractured her spine. Uh, They said that we've been in communication with Kelly and we are sorry for what happened. So uh, regardless of how you feel, if it was a bad look or not, uh, I think it was a good good job on their part to at least uh, help out with uh, something that's very tragic that she's going through, uh, but to help out and cover those medical expenses. I mean, again, something that they didn't have to do. They could have said, hey, that's not... It wasn't on us. We're not responsible for that. I'm sure plenty of people would say that, but they're saying that they're going to cover the medical expenses. So I thought that was a nice little tip of the hat to Matt and Kelly Stafford. Yes, and also when I saw the GoFundMe, I immediately saw it when I said, "Hey, a GoFundMe," because Austin Gale retweeted it. Yeah, you know, because she's also a fellow Aztec. And then Austin Gale retweets like, "Hey, help out the home girl." You know, here's her GoFundMe. Right. It's like once I saw that, I was like, "Yeah, he's got to pay for it." This is before he even announced it, but right. it's a bad look. It was a bad look. I feel like someone or the Rams organization, someone's got to cover the bill for this. And I know it's like, well, we're not obligated to. That's what health insurance is for. But you don't want people out here working NFL gigs at the championship parade getting hurt and then it's well, just like hey that's on you i tell you what it's, you don't, a, it's just a bad look you, you can say it all you want you don't want people working in the media you know that are at a, a nfl event you know trying to cover an nfl event and they get their bag and all their equipment stolen either you know the the nfl should really kind of look <laughs> yeah. the nfl should look out for somebody you said that and i was like thinking what's he what's he talking oh himself you yeah. saying the nfl owes you i'm saying you know if i really wanted to be a jerk about the situation this was an nfl event and the NFL had their security there, and my stuff got stolen while they was on their watch. So if I wanted to be a jerk about it, I could actually say that that's on them. And there was actually lawyers that were there. I got a couple buddies that are lawyers that are in media as well, and they're like, "Oh, Q, we can get you. We can get you paid for this." Like they were really, and I was like, "I'm good, man." Ambulance chasing? No, they were. Hey, man, they were on it. They were like, "Oh yeah, you can. You, you actually have something here." And I was like, "Nah, dog, I'm Have good. you been wronged by the NFL? <laughs> right. But I could. I could have been a jerk about it. And, and and cause a stink about it, but it's just it's not worth my trouble. It's, I care about you. I care about you, Q. <laughs> Take it easy. I don't want you to pick a battle with the NFL. I'm not going to pick a battle with the NFL. <laughs> I'm not going to pick a battle with any. I mean, hey, look, like I said, it, it was unfortunate, but I'm just I'm just it's just not worth the trouble. It just really isn't. I actually got a letter in the mail yesterday. Believe it or not, I got a, met- a letter in the mail, and these are the kind of things that you get nervous about. It said L A like L A something court or I don't know something that was I can't remember exactly what the what the envelope said but I'll tell you my heart started pounding a little bit when I got the envelope because I was like what the hell did I do you know what I mean like immediately you think that you're guilty of something right you see something like that it was pretty thick it was a you know it said uh it said that you had to reply and everything I was like oh damn man they got me and I don't know what I did but they got me 
And then I opened it up and it was saying that the guy was being formally charged and they were asking me to about different rights and all this other stuff. And so I, it was a lot of stuff that I had to go through. So I just gave it to the wife. I was like, man, you, you read this. You read it and, and tell me what the hell they want me to do because – I so what did they want you to do? I don't know. I, I haven't. She didn't. I, oh, okay. She hasn't. She hasn't given me the report yet. <laughs> <laughs> I just literally, I was like, I don't have time for all this. I told them because they asked me to press charges, and I said, Am I going to get my stuff back? And he said, Well, no, it's gone. I said, Well, then what do I care? I really don't care. You know, me. They're all well. If you press charges, then we can hold them. Well, great. That's great for you. What's it doing for me? I ain't getting my stuff back. And I said, Okay, look. I live in Las Vegas. We're in L.A. I'll press charges if I don't have to do anything. I don't want anything else to do with it. I didn't witness him steal it. I can't go. I mean, there's nothing There's nothing for me to well, do. Wouldn't it be easier for you to not press charges then? Because then. Right. But they wanted me. They were asking me to press charges on him. So I said, if I don't have to do anything, then I'll press charges so you guys can be satisfied. Because to me, it doesn't, me, it doesn't make me any difference. I mean, he's going to get out in three days anyway. It's, you know what I mean? He's going to get out. He's going to go do it again and get arrested again. I mean, whatever. It's, it's, it's a cycle. This guy, kind of guy obviously it doesn't know any better. Or he does. He just doesn't no, care. No, he knows better. Yeah, he just don't care. Because he's like, hey, he made his bread. He probably already got what he needed out right. when he did that. Yeah, he got a quick yeah. fix. Probably sold all my stuff for about 50 bucks. Spend those two weeks in jail. Right. Hang out with the homeboys. Right, exactly. Get, tell, him, tell him all the cool things he saw from the NFL experience. Won't believe he got this sucker from the Raiders. Right, right, yeah. He's don't probably, he know this Rams town? Yeah, he probably's <laughs> like, man, I got Nate Hobbs or I got, you know. <laughs> I got I got Casey Hayward. No, no, no it'd be even cool. Like Bo Jackson was there. Oh, I'd hype it up. Marcus Allen was there. <laughs> nah, but they, so anyway, so they told me I didn't have to do anything. That they were good. And I was like, all right, great. And then I get a letter in the mail saying I have to do something. So there you go. Sounds like you're not going to do it. I'm not. I'm not. Why would I go all the way back to L.A. for court? For what? What? What's, what can is he going to do for me? Can you identify the man? Who's no, and I'll be like, no, actually, I can't. <laughs> you have the video. I told you what they what they said, right? They they said that oh Jared yeah they they thought it was Jared and they also thought Jared was black black guy in a tan jacket yeah and it was Jared so maybe they can't identify him either and they got video still made me mad first guy the, the default guy they go to is the black guy and it wasn't even a black guy kind of made me feel some kind of way even one of the black officers looked at me and I was like yeah that's great. Was he also saying it was Jared, or was he? No, was no. He? Uh, but it, it, when I first said, I was like, "He's not a black guy. He's not even close to black. He's right there." And I looked at him, and he looked at me, and I was like, uh. <laughs> I "Said, well, you know, always, always the first one, right? Always guilty." Oh man, moving on. How about Jim Harbaugh? That's the gift that keeps on giving. The details of his contract came out today, and basically, the details of his contract let it be known that he's going to be flirting with the NFL for some years to come. That's not over anytime soon, even though he signed a contract extension. Five-year contract extension with uh, with Michigan. $7 million, basically, is what his base salary is going to be. But check out the buyout. The buyout is only $3 million in the first year of the extension. Only $3 million. That's not anything for a buyout. It decreases to $2.25 million in 2023 and $1.5 million in 2024. $2025, $750,000. That's a drop in the bucket. What that means is you're going to hear Jim Harbaugh flirting with the NFL so he can continue to get raises the next few years. Now, he's got to also go out there and perform and, and make sure his teams perform on the field, but we're not going to hear the end of Jim Harbaugh trying to get back to the NFL and trying to get that $9 million, $10 million deal that he was looking for uh, in 10-year contract like Gruden got. That's what he wanted. He obviously didn't get it, but we're not going to hear the end of that anytime soon. You remember when uh, Draymond Green said to Paul Pierce, he was like, you thought you was Kobe. <laughs> they don't right. love you like that. Right, right. Exactly. That's You're not about to get that treatment. Exactly. 
Exactly. That's a great way to put it. That is a fantastic way to put it. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh might as well just go ahead and stay right there at Michigan. Stop trying to flirt with the NFL, trying to get that extra the extra bread. But uh, yeah, that's <laughs> that was a uh, when I saw that the contract details, I thought, are you kidding me? Because uh, you know, schools they know that there's still going to be other teams that, and, and schools that are going to try to try to post their. But normally they protect themselves where they give a really big buyout. You know, that's what that's what Baylor did with Matt Rule. Man, brother, they gave him a contract extension right before they, they knew he was on his way out, right? And they said, okay, we're going to give you a contract extension with a huge buyout. And because they're a private school, they don't have to say how much it was. Yeah. But it was a huge buyout. And uh, the AD, Mac Rhodes, said, oh, yeah, we're protected. He's, he's, gonna, he's going to announce that he's going to go to the NFL, and we're going to be protected, fully compensated. And they got, they got paid, man. They got paid big bucks to, to let Rule go to Carolina. And now you look at what he's doing in Carolina, you're like, whoa. He might, might have to go back to college. Might want to go back to college. <laughs> but also Jim Harbaugh, with it being his the alma mater, the dream school, they know that you're not going to another college. So the NFL, just go ahead and take a job. Might not be what you want. Right. We know you want to leave. Right. So just go ahead and leave. Just got a text from uh, Raider. I think it's Raider 8 Joe 1. Is that what it is? Eight, Raider. Do you see what I'm saying? You see I see what you see. Yes. Raider 8 Joe 1? That's what I would say. Okay, cool. Uh, Sam and Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. Just saw that Stafford video. It's called Fight or Flight. And in that split-second decision, Stafford chose flight. <laughs> Glad she's okay. And it's true. It's true. I mean, he saw that and was like, whoa, I'm out of here on that note. And I'm, I think that that's probably a reaction a lot of people would have done. You know, I mean, some, a lot of people, like his wife, would have said, oh, man, I hope she's okay. But Matt Stafford, who had been drinking all day, as you can hear by, if you, if you saw any of the videos from him, uh, him talking to the, the crowd, he was drinking that 1842 all day, trying to pull a Tom Brady. You know, he was, he was, he was out of there. He was like, hey, man, I don't want to be nowhere around this scene. I'm out of here. So that's what he did. I'm not, I'm not holding it against him. I'm glad that, they, uh, I'm glad that they're choosing to, to cover the medical expenses. I think that that's cool. How about this one? Deshaun Watson, his agent response. Remember yesterday I was telling you that uh, he's added the Bucks and the Vikings to his list of teams he wants to play for. Well, his agent said, I spoke with, or no, uh, Josina Anderson said, I spoke with Deshaun Watson's agent. He said there's no truth to that, that Watson is eyeing the Bucks or the Vikings or any other teams ahead of free agency. Uh, his agent goes on to say, we haven't talked to any, we haven't had any talks among our, amongst ourselves or with any other teams about possible destinations as we're focused on clearing Deshaun's name at the time, which is what we were talking about yesterday. How could he be focused on another team or other teams or putting together a list for other teams when he has to clear all his name? His name is his name is dirt right now. I mean, he's got to get that cleared before he does anything. <laughs> I'm, tired. Like, I'm tired of him. No, I was thinking of something where it's just you telling me they haven't talked at all about if this thing, if it magically goes away, it, where he wants to it be. It ain't magically going to go away. But I'm just saying he knows where he would like to go. It's not we haven't talked about it at all. We're focused on clearing his name. Well, that's what the, that's the first step that they got to take. Well, yeah, that's the first step they, they got to take. They may have had conversations. But I'm not going to believe that they're just like, oh man, I, I, I just this is the only thing I'm worried about. Well, I don't think that they're sitting in the room talking about what. Well, what other teams would you like to go to? Hey, hey I'd like to go to Tampa Bay, maybe Minnesota. I think right now he's worried about I need to clear my name so I can get paid. You know, so I can so I can make the money and go out and do what I want to do. Even he's though still, he's still he still got paid last year from the Texans, but something's got to get. Money's not the issue. No, it's not. But you always want. Want your, your your bread and you want as much of it as possible. Isn't and, he getting all of it? Yeah, you're not getting you're not getting all of it if you're sitting on the bench and you're not you know you're not going to get all of that. You're not going to get some of the incentive stuff. You'll get whatever's guaranteed, but that's it. 
I don't know how much guaranteed it is. Because like his new extension kicks in next season. Does it kick in next season? Yeah, so is like, that what John told us? Yeah, his big money kicks okay. in next season. Well, there you go. So that's going to be the – that guaranteed money is going to be some sweet guaranteed money. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Okay, well, if that kicks in next next season, then that's some big money. But you got to clear your name before you do anything. That's got to be – that's got to be the key, right? You got to clear your name. My name is my name. Marlo Stansfield, The Wire. Oh, well, I'm just I worried. you didn't watch it. I, no, I, I didn't watch it, but I'll tell you, in life in general, man, your name is all you got, you know, and you don't want your name. You don't want to pull up your name, and the first thing it is is 22 sexual assaults or 22 cases of whatever. You know, you don't you don't want that. And still, it's going to be there regardless. Regardless, it's going to be there once he uh, once he clears it, if he clears it, and that's that's the big if. Can he clear it? I mean, that's a lot of money that he's going to have to dish out. Think about, you know, the report about the Cowboys, what they had to do. They paid a couple million dollars just to, what, two? Two or three young ladies. Doesn't uh, he wish he would have did that from the start? No offense, these women need to be heard, and what he did was allegedly was bad. Right. But, man, if you could have just, like a whole season's taken away from you, and now even further litigation that's probably going to happen, and it sounds like you could have just paid to have it go away like the Cowboys did. That's a shame, too. That, that I never even got into that story, but that's that's a shame, man. There's there's so much so much stuff that's starting to come out that we're starting to learn about some of these teams, and oh man, it's it's bad. But what the Cowboys had going on, and and their uh, their PR guy that they had going on, it's just like man, what is what is really going on around here? But it's it's all rolling out, and I guess that's that's kind of going back to even the John Gruden emails. You know, I'm not saying that 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 came out because of that, but if all this stuff we're starting to find out about just through just through everyday walk of life. Can you imagine all the stuff that was in all those different emails that they got from the Washington football team? Can you imagine all the stuff that they could have really rolled out if we're finding out this information about this, that, and the other just through, like I said, basic whatever? Well, if you ask the NFL, they told us it was nothing. Nothing yeah. to see here. Yeah, nothing to see here, but there's definitely plenty to see here. So uh, that's that's the latest when it comes to Deshaun Watson. My final note here for Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day. Uh, saw this thrown out there, and this involves the Raiders, and uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on it and throw it out there to Raider Nation as well. 702-365-9200 and Salmon Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. They said a, a logical trade that the Raiders could make to add an addition to Patrick Graham and the, the defense that the Raiders have is the Raiders making a move for James Bradbury from the Giants. Uh, he's a cornerback. They think that he could be had for around a third-round pick, top 20 corner in the league. The Giants, the reason why they'd be moving on from him, trading him, would be because of their salary cap position right now. They're negative $12 million in the salary cap, and there would be a lot of dead money. There would probably be about twelve, no, about $9 million in dead money that um, – that that the Giants would have to eat, but then there'd be a twelve million dollar salary that the Raiders would have to have to pay. But Bradbury played seventeen games for the Giants last year, uh, had forty six total tackles, uh, seventeen passes defense, and four interceptions. And he's obviously very familiar with Patrick Graham, so this could end up being. And I'm just throwing it out there: uh, if they were to end up making a move like this, it could be a good situation, similar to what we all saw from Casey Hayward. A guy that comes in, knows the system really well, and thrives. So I just want to throw it out there, just a little food for thought. So James Bradbury, uh, the Giants could be in a position where they start to start to trade the farm and start to release some guys that are still really talented. That's a guy to keep your, keep your eyes and ears open for. James Bradbury, I would not be shocked if the Raiders had some kind of, at least interest, I'm not saying that they're going to go make a move, but they could have some kind of interest because of the familiarity with Patrick Graham and his system. So uh, I wouldn't be mad at a guy like that. He's a hell of a player. And uh, a guy that had four interceptions last season is more than the, I think the Raiders' whole defense had. I mean, seriously, I mean, how many interceptions did they have last year? Merrick had one. 
Uh, Hayward had one. Um, uh, what's his name had one that uh, Faison, um he had one. Oh, look at it. I'm going to find these numbers right now. <laughs> I mean, it's not many. It's not many. It's literally four. I think uh, Abram, didn't Abram have one? So it's literally about four or five interceptions that they had all season long. Bradbury had four himself. Go ahead, look it up. I, I don't know the exact number, but I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure it's four or five. Tell me who I'm missing. Who am I missing? Man, you're slow. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. What are you doing? Six. Exactly. That's an A.O. That's exactly Six. my point. Six total. And he had four himself. Just go ahead and leave that out there where it is. But you were slow on that computer. Was that the computer's fault or was that you? I was blaming on the computer. Okay. Since you gave me that option. All right. <laughs> <laughs> 318 is the time. When we come back, you'll hear my conversation I had last night with Zachariah Branch. He's the nephew of Cliff Branch. Going to talk about Cliff getting into the Hall of Fame. We'll do that next here on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Right now on the phone lines, we have Bishop Gorman, wide receiver, and USC commit Zachariah Branch. Thank you so much for your time, my man. And last time you were on the show, you had just made the commitment to USC and Lincoln Riley. How's things been going since uh, since then to now? Oh, yes, definitely definitely has been exciting. I mean, I just definitely been talking to the coaches and, you know, just talking about how I can help impact this class and try to help build a stellar class like Texas A&M did for the 22 class. We're definitely trying to uh, build a number one class for the class 23, and I'm definitely trying to reel some guys in. You got your eyes on some folks that you play ball with that you know? Uh, no, most definitely. I mean, I'm trying to get dudes all over the country Trying to get the bench, yes, sir. <laughs> I heard that. National Signing Day was just a couple weeks ago. You'll get your opportunity to do that uh, in December or else in February, whenever you decide. How much are you looking forward to that? Oh, yeah, no, it definitely is exciting. I mean, just to make it official. I mean, you know, being committed it definitely is a blessing. But when it's signed, I mean, that, that seals the deal right there. It lets you know that you're official and you're officially in. So I definitely can't wait for that moment. It's definitely going to be a proud moment for me and my family. I know you've been practicing. you got a lot of seven-on-seven seven you've been doing, just working really hard. How much of a relief is it knowing that you, you don't have to worry about commitments? you got that commitment out of the way, and now you're just waiting to sign your letter of intent. Right, and uh, being committed, I mean, it definitely is a relief off my shoulders. I mean, I get to be out there and just, you know, play the game that I love. I don't have to worry about uh, the extra recruiting process and things like that. I just get, get a chance to focus on the University of Southern California and Trying to better myself every day. There you go. We're talking right now with Zachariah Branch. And last time we talked to you, we talked about your your uncle, the late great Cliff Branch, and what impact he had on your life. And it was a shame that he wasn't in the Hall of Fame yet. Well, on Thursday last week, right. we found out that he is, in fact, going to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's going to be uh, enshrined in Canton, Ohio, forever. Uh, how was that for your family and yourself when you, you got the news that he was going in the Hall? Oh, yeah. My dad actually sent it over to me and my brother. And uh, when I, as soon as I found out, I was real excited. I mean, it definitely was a long time coming. I feel like he definitely deserved it. And, I mean, I'm definitely proud of him for that. And I, like I said before, if he wasn't inducted to the Hall of Fame, then we will. So I guess it's going to be three branches in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> how, much more does that, how much more does that push you now, now that you know that he is in there? And, and you did say that, so now it's on you and your brother. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, USC actually made an edit for me and my brother that has Cliff in the background and then me and my brother on the side. And I actually made that my wallpaper so every day I look at that I use it as motivation wow that's awesome I, I like that and and so what's the plans for Canton Ohio I mean it's a big celebration I was there last year for Tom Flores and Charles Woodson but what's the plans for Canton Ohio for the branch family oh yeah definitely it's gonna be exciting we're definitely gonna get out there uh for the ceremony and check it out and see what it's like I mean just to experience it before you know hopefully me and my brother both get inducted to the hall of fame but just to experience it 
and for it to be one of my family members, it definitely is a great deal. And uh, it's going to be a great experience. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, soak it in. Enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of greatness that are going to be there in Canton, Ohio, and you're going to be there as well. What does it mean to you to see so many Raider fans and, and Raiders owner Mark Davis to be pounding the table for so long for Cliff to get in? Oh, yeah, it definitely is. definitely is exciting to see how much support uh, that they had behind Cliff. I mean, I wish they would have done it earlier, but, I mean, you know, at least the support is still there and everybody's behind them. So, I mean, it definitely is really exciting to, just to see how much support and love they have for him. Do you ever sit back and think and realize that Cliff Branch, your uncle, changed the game of football the way it's played today? Oh, yeah. No, I definitely have. Uh, watching the Super Bowl, I mean, I feel like that's a prime example. You see the smaller receivers now and, uh, you know, speed kills. So, to know that he was one of the first receivers to start that era, I mean, it definitely is a blessing. Talking right now with Zachariah Branch, the nephew of the late, great Cliff Branch here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. And so uh, any part of Cliff's game that you're going to try to implement into uh, into your game this upcoming season there at Bishop Gorman? Oh, yeah, I definitely am trying to implement uh, all the things that he used in his game in the mind and to make it even better, you know, just to go out there and produce and just show what the Branch last name is about. Do you ever sit back and just kind of watch some YouTube film or see some old film of Cliff and just see what he did and see how he was so effective? Oh, yeah. No, I definitely have took the time to uh, sit back and watch some film on him. I mean, he definitely is a special player. And, I mean, I try to break down certain things and add certain things to my bag that he had in his bag. So So what is an area of your game that you're trying to improve on, something that you really can master next year, uh, your senior year? Uh, I think I'm trying to improve in all aspects. You know, you can always improve in everything, but – the main thing I'm really focusing on is probably getting in and out of my breaks as fast as I can and create more separation against DB. Looking forward to another year and uh, possibly bringing home another, na- uh, not national championship, but state championship there? Oh, yeah, definitely. State championship is the goal, but we got a big goal this year, like you said, uh, national championship. That's what we're trying to go for. Nice, nice. I like it. I like it. Well, I do appreciate you giving me a few minutes of your time. I just wanted to get your thoughts now that now that your uncle is officially going into Canton, Ohio. I wanted to see how the family was feeling about that and wanted to congratulate you myself as well. Congratulate the family. Appreciate that. Yes, sir. There he goes right there. That is the nephew of Cliff Branch. That is Zachariah Branch, Bishop Gorman wide receiver, USC commit. Had a chance to catch up with him last night and get his thoughts on Cliff, his uncle going into the Hall of Fame. And uh, just really feel happy for the family uh, because I know it's, it's too late for Cliff to actually be able to enjoy it and, and soak it in. But at least the family, including Zachariah and his brother Zion, could both soak that in and be a part of that. Coming up next, we got Tim Watkins, BearsIllustrated.com. He's going to join the show to talk all things Jalen Petrie, the safety out of Baylor. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness. The Judge, Lester Hayes, joining us now. That's YQ. Of course, our team kept winning. Kept winning, Q, because of our training. You got to put in the work and the time and the perseverance and the patience to train your body and train your brain. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. You heard right there on the rejoin, you heard Lester Hayes bringing us in. Of course, longtime great defensive back for the Silver and Black. And right now we're going to talk about the secondary. We're going to talk about a secondary and a player in the secondary that is uh, in college right now, but is taking his talents to the NFL. And that's Baylor safety Jalen Petrie. And to help us break it down, guy Tim Watkins from BearsIllustrated.com and Tim appreciate your time this afternoon it's been a minute man how's everything been going for you in the Baylor Bears it has been a minute man it's been great to hear you uh, succeeding out there in Vegas it's been fun you know had 
how to get you out of there so we could win a Big 12 championship. That's all I got to say, buddy. <laughs> I guess that's all it took. I had to move to make the Baylor Bears win a Big 12. But you know what? I enjoyed watching the season from a distance. I, I love what Coach Aranda's doing. Uh, you know, just got a nice contract extension right there. What is what is your thoughts on just Baylor in general now that this, you know, they've accomplished that, the Big 12 championship? What do you feel early on for the team that's going to return in the fall? You know, it's a team with a strong foundation on the offensive and defensive lines. Two of the strengths of last year's program, and they're pretty much returning every single player outside of uh, left guard Xavier Newman-Johnson. Um, everybody else on the defensive and offensive line, too deep, is returning. And any time that you start with that strong of a foundation, plus returning an experienced quarterback, that's a really good place to start. And, and just being in the second year, of, of uh, uh, Jeff Grimes' offense, being in the third year under Ron Roberts and Dave Aranda on the defensive side. There's, there's a lot of optimism in Waco for uh, really challenging for uh, another back-to-back Big 12 championship like they did back in 13 and 14. Well, I'll tell you what, like I said, I'm paying attention from a distance. I enjoy seeing what they're doing and uh, much, much success for Dave Aranda. I like him a lot as a coach. Now, one guy that I, I like and I saw him a lot while I was there uh, covering Baylor like, like you're covering Baylor is uh, Jalen Petrie, the safety. I know he went to the senior bowl and he really turned some heads and so it got me thinking as I've been looking at mock drafts I'm seeing I'm seeing first round grades on Jalen Petrie what what could you tell us about Petrie that that would intrigue us as far as maybe being a potential first round draft pick at the safety position yeah he's an ultra productive ultra experienced hybrid type of player he played slot corner he played safety deep safety as well as closer line of scrimmage he started off his career as an undersized linebacker as well so you're talking about a guy who has experience setting the edge in the run defense, has experience uh, of shooting the gaps, blitzing uh, from that edge-type role, but also dropping back in coverage. He was one of the most productive uh, slot corners in the Big 12 last year, uh, really good ball skills, had two interceptions last year, had four over the last two seasons, and not a lot of experience or not a lot of uh, uh, reps in that defensive backfield as a true cover guy. But a guy that can cover running backs, can cover tight ends, and really use his frame extremely well. He's not a big guy at six foot, 205, 210, but he plays so much bigger. You can see that in the highlight films where he is sending guys much bigger than him sprawling on their backs, especially some, uh, some tight ends and uh, alignment that thought they could, uh, they could uh, uh, catch him snapping or uh, <laughs> napping a little bit on right. a blitz. All of a sudden, they're on their backside, not knowing who hit him. Yeah, no, he he's fun to watch. I, I remember seeing him while I was there, and then also saw what he was able to do this this season. And and you know, Tim, it's funny. I I kind of when I was talking about having you on to talk about Petrie, I told my guy Demond here that to me, with his size and, and the the ball hawking ability that he has, kind of reminded me a little bit of the Honey Badger. Is that a, is that a fair mm. comparison? I, I think it's a fair comparison, and I think that's the type of role that's going to best fit him as some type of nickel corner uh, hybrid safety closer to the line of scrimmage, but being able to be multi-purposeful, uh, multi-dimensional. You can use him in a couple of different ways. I think the worst way to use a guy like Petrie uh, and the Honey Badger is just ask him to do one thing. Right. Because he's good at one thing, but what he's good at is about 45 different things. <laughs> And that allows you to be significantly more, uh, uh, you know, hide him, have him asking, doing things, put him next to the line of scrimmage. Is he coverage? Is he blitzing? Is he setting the edge? He's going to be solid and not hurt you in any of the ways. You know, it's like the old basketball axiom of a table setter. Well, some people only bring a knife. Some people only bring a fork. He brings everything that you need, three knives, three forks, 
all the spoons that you need, even the fancy uh, soup ones. He brings it all to the table. I like it. I like it a lot. Talking right now with Tim Watkins from BearsIllustrated.com here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And, Tim, I mean, you've been covering the, the Baylor Bears for a very long time. How have you seen Petrie and his, his game and, and just the person he has grown over the years? You know, he was, he was the lone Baylor commitment from the uh, uh, prior Art Bryles era. So they had about 10, 12 decommits in a quick time back in May of 2016 after Opryls was followed, f- uh, fired due to sexual, uh, sexual assault allegations against the program. Uh, Petrie had blown out his knee uh, the year prior and stood by Baylor, and Baylor stood by him as the lone commitment that stayed. And then Matt Rule was hired, and that was the only commitment they still had when Matt Rule started. Uh, he started his freshman year, uh, started that very first game under Matt Rule against Liberty, and struggled. He was bad, and I think he would admit that he was bad. He was playing as an undersized, true freshman linebacker coming off of a severe knee injury. But Baylor didn't have any other options at that point. Uh, He played in 2018. He redshirted in 2019, and again, he was still playing in that linebacker role. 2020 was his first year playing in that hybrid kind of jack, not jack role, the uh, the star role that Dave Aranda has really uh, made a star a true true playmaker in his defense, and they couldn't have found a better fit for him. So Petrie had, had rotated between safety, had played linebacker. They could never find the right fit for him until Dave Aranda kind of unlocked him, unlocked his potential. He came off of that redshirt year really focused, really driven, got stronger, got more mature in that season, and uh, was one of the best players in the Big 12 as a junior in 2020. Um, it was limited to just those nine games due to the COVID uh, shortened season, and then took it to another level in 2021 and, and really emerged as the Big 12 player of the year, and now a probably a fringe first, early second round draft choice. That's amazing. It really is. I mean, to hear that kind of a story about Petrie, where he started from and where he was, and again, it kind of blew my mind. That's why I reached out to you. I mean, it blew my mind when I saw him on mock drafts as a potential first round guy. I mean, look, it's, it's all about potential he could end up being a second-round guy, like you said, but just to be in that conversation uh, for an early pick like that, based off a lot of what he did, obviously, in the season, but also what he was able to do at the Senior Bowl, he really turned a lot of heads. As far as his leadership skills go, Tim, uh, what kind of leader would you say Petrie is on the field? He's been an exceptional leader for the Baylor program for the past few seasons, especially during the rather tumultuous time he's been at Waco. Um, he committed to Art Bryles. He played his freshman year for Matt Rule, um, Matt Rule for three years, then Dave Aranda um, for the last two years. Uh, that was a group that 2017 and, and 2018 subsequent class that grew up. They won one game their first season, lost to Liberty, lost to UTSA, beat Kansas because everybody beat Kansas in right. the last few years other than Texas, but we won't get into that. <laughs> uh, Hook them. <laughs> as a Big 12 champion in 2019. Fell back in 2020 in Dave Aranda's first year, an extremely difficult COVID year for any first-year head coach, and then came back and was the most accomplished uh, Baylor football team in their program history. First team to win 12 wins, a Big 12 title uh, title appearance and title victory, something that they had not done before, and and winning that Sugar Bowl, their first uh, uh, New Year's Six Bowl win, I, I think, in like 50 or 60 years. So it was a program-defining season, and to say that Petrie had been there for the downs and now the ups, he was one of those primary voices that led that, that slow climb 
back up to being the program that we saw eight, ten years ago. I'll tell you what, I, I, like, this, I like what Petrie has been able to do. I really have. It's, it's been fun to watch uh, when I was there and also obviously uh, from a distance as well. Uh, before I let you go, we had a couple more questions for you. I did want to ask your thoughts on Art Bryles. You mentioned him a couple times. Uh, it looks like he's going to get the offensive coordinator job at Grambling. Uh, I'm kind of shocked by that, but what were your thoughts when those reports started rolling out? So I, I, I found it fascinating because this isn't the first time that he's been quote-unquote close to being hired for a non-high school related job or non, I guess, Italian league job in the United States or Canada. He had that, that role with the, uh, the Canadian football team. That didn't happen. Um, the social media decided that that wasn't going to happen. Um, I, I'll answer it this way. His son, who was his offensive coordinator, is an offensive coordinator at a Power 5 school in Arkansas. His son-in-law, who is a running backs coach with him, is the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. His offensive line coach is the offensive line coach at North Texas. He has several defensive staff members that are coaching right now in the college football ranks. Art Bryles shouldn't be a head coach. He shouldn't be in charge of things. But to say that he shouldn't work in football, I've got a little bit more of a question about if every one of his foot soldiers, which many can make the claim, were closer to the actual incidents that happened, if they can get a job, is it truly right and just for him not to be able to work in his, his so-called profession? He's needless to say paid a heavy price for it. And, and I wouldn't hire him if I were an athletic director or a coach. But to say that he should never be able to coach again at a collegiate level, that's a tough thing to ask of a man who, who just wants to have another shot. And you know what, if he does end up getting that job, I, I, I think it'd be fair to say that there would not be a routinized program if something negative were to happen. Right. Um, to sort of say that the head coach, uh, I believe it's Hugh Jackson there, yep. would be ultimately responsible uh, would be more than accurate because if something does happen under Art Browse's watch as an assistant coach, um, Hugh Jackson's gone. Right. There's yeah. no mistake about it. So it's really Hugh Jackson's call and what's going to be best for his program. Um, I know many former players that would, would, would throw themselves in front of bus for our brows. Um, he was beloved by many, many, many of his players. That is not defend the man, did what the, defend, uh, to defend what the man did or did not do. I personally believe he deserved to be fired. I would not hire the man again. But I don't think it's up to me to say if he should work again or not. I like it. No, great, great way to break it down, man. And I and I to- totally understand exactly where you're coming from. I know we've had uh, plenty of conversations about, you know, would he, should he, is he going to or not? And it looks like Hugh Jackson may be the guy that's ready to pull the trigger and let him be an offensive coordinator there at Grambling. Before we let you go, Tim, my man DeMond wanted to ask you a hoops question. Go ahead, DeMond. All right. Baylor recently put out that Jonathan Tomatachua, that he just – had knee surgery. And then I care because he's a former UNLV guy. He should still be here suffering with us. But, you know. <laughs> he's a national championship. I know, right? But do you think that that puts a dent in Baylor's um, ability to go back to back there? Oh, a- absolutely. He was the heart and soul for Baylor University the past two seasons. Uh, Everyday John is a nickname he earned at Baylor University for his work ethic, for his positive attitude, for the cliche of going 110%. You can see that when you watch him. Um, and it's made him better only having to play 20 to 22 minutes a game. Because if Flo Thamba were to go down and all of a sudden you need Chamachwacha uh, playing 28 to 30 minutes, he's not, he can't be as effective in that pretty much just going everywhere, playing 
every position defensively, crashing the glass with reckless abandon. Um, so it's a, it's a major loss for him. Baylor's going to have to adjust. They're going to have to ask Flo Thamba to play more minutes. He played 27 minutes last night in the loss to Texas Tech. He played 30 minutes for the first time in his career against Texas this weekend. Can he be effective, especially uh, Thamba, who has struggled with foul trouble. Baylor doesn't really have a proven true center behind him. Uh, a redshirt sophomore, Zach Loveday, is sitting there behind them. Last night was his first real competitive basketball. He played for two minutes and had two fouls. Um, so Baylor's going to have to go smaller. That changes how they want to defend. Jeremy Sohan has been a revelation this year. I personally think he's been the Bears' best true freshman, even better than the five-star touted Kendall Brown, who's been great in his own right. But it tests the Bears' depth, but that's something that they've had issues with all season, with injuries in the backcourt, down to two scholarship guards that were healthy for a game and a half. Now they're down to one true center. Can they adjust, and how does Drew and that excellent staff put themselves into a, a good position to, to at least – get in the conversation to be one of those top-tier contenders again. Tell you what, Tim, I was watching that game last night, Baylor and Texas Tech, and it was, I mean, Baylor was playing their tails off, and it just looks like they ran out of gas towards the end, and missing every day, John, is obviously a major role, or major, uh, a major missing piece. I mean, he's a hell of a player uh, for that squad. So, uh, again, just like the ba- football team, it's fun to watch Scott Drew and, and company uh, from a distance, see how they're, how they're doing. But, uh, yeah, missing JTT is a, is a big deal. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff as always uh, when it comes to Baylor. You got anything coming out on BearsIllustrated.com that uh, that we should be on the lookout for? Oh man, tons of stuff. We got a lot of interviews with some some prospects that are close. We've got the recaps of the uh, the Texas Dame game last night. They play TCU this weekend. Hopefully, we'll be uh, if not staying in Fort Worth, going out West Coast maybe for a regional. So you uh, West Coasters might begin a little <laughs> bit more Baylor as they get in the NCAA tournament. Nice. Well, I'll tell you right now, we have uh, Baylor basketball on our airwaves all the time, man. We got what do we have coming up? Baylor and Kansas coming up pretty soon. We got that coming up, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. We hey man, throughout the course of the season, we've had football on our airwaves. We've had basketball on our airwaves. We we're, we're keeping in t- touch with the Baylor. Bears, man. I think that they're doing that for me since I since I came from Central Texas. I think they're they're, they're giving me that love. But uh, we got you. I love it. We got we got I you guys it. locked in. And, hey, when you come to Vegas, man, you make sure you hit me up. You are my first and only call. Sir. <laughs> Appreciate you, Tim. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Take care, guys. Thanks so much. All right, there you go, Tim Watkins from BearsIllustrated.com. He said I'm his first and only call. Man, I'm the only call. There you go. You're a special guy, man. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that just means he don't know nobody else. That's all. Nah, that <laughs> means like, yo, Q is the only person I want to kick it with. Nah, it just means that I, I'm the only one he knows. It's all. It's all good. I ain't mad at that. But Tim Watkins, BearsIllustrated.com, does a great job covering the Baylor Bears. Definitely appreciate him and his thoughts on Jalen Petrie. 346 at the time. We'll come back, close out the show. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. What does it mean to be a Raider? What to you, what does it mean to be a Raider? Man, being a Raider is not just being a football player. It's not about the just the jersey or just the just the helmet. It's about a lifestyle. It's about it's about loyalty. It's about doing whatever you have to do to help your brothers, to help your family. That's what it's all about. It's never putting yourself above the shield. That's what being a Raider is all about. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Had a Fast and Furious show. Josh Edwards from CBSSports.com joined us. Zachariah Branch, Bishop Gorman wide receiver, USC commit. He just heard from Tim Watkins from BearsIllustrated.com. It's official, man. It's the mock draft season. It's going to be a 1,001 mock drafts between now and April 28th when the draft actually gets started. And then immediately after the draft is over, there'll be another mock draft out. I mean, draft season is amazing. Of course, free agency has to hit first. 
you start to get an idea of what teams need, what they don't need, but we're in that mode now, and I, I get excited about this time of year. I'm so glad that the Raiders made the playoffs, went on the run that they did at the end of the season because we weren't talking about the draft in December. We weren't talking about the draft in November. I've talked about the draft in October at times. I mean, there's, there's times that I started looking at the draft damn near as soon as the season started. Like, oh, okay, well, I know what kind of year it's going to be this year. <laughs> Who's going to be the number one pick overall? You know, the Raiders having to pick at number 22 overall. That means that they went to the playoffs. It means that they had a, a, a nice little run. So uh, that, that's good. I'm glad that we're starting to just now get into that, that kind of conversation. Of course, free agency, also something that we'll be talking about quite a bit. We started out the show today talking about uh, the five Raiders that made Pro Football Focus top 200 free agents. Casey Hayward was number 25. Marcus Mariota was number 60. Zay Jones was 122. K.J. Wright was number 166. And Deshaun Jackson was number 182. And I brought back Zay Jones, and Demond brought back. Who'd you bring back? You brought KJ back Wright. KJ Wright. Yeah. So those are the only two guys that we brought back. Uh, others brought other guys back, uh, including this one. Let me go ahead and hit the Salmon Ash text line at six nine one eight seven East Bay Raider Gray. Keep KJ Wright. Keep Zay Jones. Seth Roberts flourished in that similar system that we're going to run, and Zay can be uh, like that. Seth Roberts. Wide receivers are going to have to be smart in this offense, and Zay is pretty smart. Uh, you bring up a good point about Seth Roberts, and that was kind of one of the examples I gave earlier in the show as well. I feel like Zay Jones could be that Seth Roberts guy that doesn't drop the ball as much as Seth did. Seth put the ball on the, on the ground too many times, but then he would come up with a tough catch and make a big play. And there was a stat at one point where every time Seth Roberts scored a touchdown, the Raiders won. And, I mean, that was like a real, real deal stat. I'll never forget uh, the walk-off win that they had in Tampa Bay uh, in overtime where it looked like the Raiders were going to tie with the Buccaneers and, and uh, Derek Carr hits Zay Jones, or not Zay Jones, hits uh, Seth Roberts, and somehow he doesn't get tackled and he takes it to the house. They walk off with a, a victory. That was that game where they had, what, 20 something penalties? It was ridiculous. They had 20, like 20 something penalties called against them in the game. It was a record, and they still found a way to win the game. It's just absolutely ridiculous. It was the stupidest thing I ever seen. Like every single play. I mean, I, I promise you, I was so frustrated sitting on my couch watching that damn game because every play, you had to hold your breath and think, all right, here comes another penalty. And it, it, it was bad. I mean, I promise you, they, they, uh, they broke a record that day. It was terrible. Just terrible. Was it on them or were the refs out to get them? No, it was on them. It was on them. I don't sign up for that, the refs are out to get them thing. I don't sign up for that. You, you, uh, you, know, you commit a bunch of penalties, then you're going to all of a sudden get looked at and you're gonna get their own, you know, they're going to throw the flag on you. It's just simple as that. They will do that to you. So, yeah, that, that, team, was, that team was really undisciplined. And that game was the worst. <laughs> Absolute worst. I mean, you break records. There's no, that's that's on you, brother. A couple penalties here and there. Okay, I get it. But that game, that was 100% on them. Real quick, I know we're running out of time, but we had this text, this texter. They're asking about Trevor Penning, and I, I was like, hey, man, if Trevor Penning's so good, is he going to be available for the Raiders to even select him? Right. And, I, and I've been watching some film now since the commercial break, and it's like, oh, no, this guy's good. <laughs> it's one of those, I don't think this guy's going to be available. And, and then he's like, listing all, listing all the stats, the highest – run grade that PFF's ever given to a college offensive lineman. Wow. It's one of those things where I'm just like, well, let me do this texture. Yeah. They seem pretty passionate about this. Right. So tomorrow we can ask those questions about him, but this guy sounds like he's not going to be there for the Raiders. Yeah, you're right. I'm looking at the text now. Trevor Penny was PFF's number one graded offensive tackle in the country. His name is Big Nasty because he plays through the whistle. He almost got into a couple fights in the senior bowl practice because he was pancaking guys to the ground after dominating them during reps. I think he'd be the perfect Raider. Also, Trevor Penning had a 99.9 run blocking grade, which is the highest PFF has ever charted. So, all right, good stuff right there on, on Penning. And it's funny because, again, it is 
mid-February, and I really haven't started doing too much draft research. You know, so um, this is this is good. This is a good start, and we'll talk draft tomorrow in a major way. Uh, we'll have Matt Holder on the show, and uh, he'll break down a bunch of different draft guys. I think he went to the Senior Bowl, so I'll ask him specifically about Penny, and that'll be one of the first guys I ask him about. But uh, again, as far as priorities go for me, uh, I, I think it's got to be. I think corner has to be up there. It's got to be up there, in my opinion. Um, I think that they need a number one target. They can get that in free agency or they can get that in the draft, whatever. But I think that that's got to be, that's still got to be a high priority. Um, and then you've got to address the offensive line. The offensive line, it probably, I probably gave it the wrong order. Offensive line probably needs to be the number one. That probably has to be the number one focus. I just know what Raider Nation is going to think if they go <laughs> for another year with the offensive tackle as their, uh, their first round draft pick. But you build the trenches and you have your squad. But I'm sure the fan base doesn't want that young guy because they just saw what happened with Leatherwood. Leatherwood was Get a reach. Get somebody established. Leatherwood was a reach. Leatherwood was a reach. There's no doubt about that. I have no problem saying that. I said it the day that he was drafted. I was like, man. And then I allowed myself to be convinced that it was a good pick. I allowed myself to be convinced because I heard so many people saying, hey, man, this guy is going to work out. And, hey, they've been watching this guy for a long time. And he's going to this, that, and the other. And, well, it just never worked out. He ended up becoming a guard. And that's probably where he's going to stay. Vinny Bonsignor, he's in the in, in the huddle. He's in the studio, going to be in the huddle for the next two hours. Uh, Vinny, what you got coming up on the show? Uh, definitely going to be talking about Derek Carr uh, contract extension, as you see. Um, it's starting to gain a lot more uh, heat out there, so right. we're going to be talking about that. But, Demond, to your to your point, um, with the fans and drafting another tackle, there's there's history of tackles stepping in. you got to just pick the right guy. <laughs> Right. You can't be afraid of what happened last year. It's a whole new regime. Uh, if there's a guy that they feel can start day one at, at tackle, right. pull the trigger. You can't worry about last year. There's too many examples, too, of guys that have done it. Agreed. Agreed 100%. So Vinny will deep dive in the huddle 4 to 6 p.m. He's going to hold it down with DeMond. So uh, definitely light up the phone lines, light up the Salmon Ash text line, and we'll holler tomorrow. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.